Well, hey, hey, hey there, happy innovators. Long time no podcast, I know. And let me tell you, whew, I just came out of probably the craziest two months of my life. And I'll get to that in a minute. But, you know, uh, I guess I should start out by at least mentioning the craziness of the times that we're in right now. And, you know, I don't even know what to make of it, you know. It's so unusual. I just kind of find myself, you know, watching what's happening in the, in America right now and, you know, watching the, the craziness and just I'm confused, you know. I am. Um, I don't know. I mean, I've come to some conclusions about certain things, and I guess the most important one that I can think of uh, and maybe you agree with me, okay? Or maybe you haven't even thought about it this way. But, you know, I realized that, like, on YouTube and social media and all that stuff, before it was all, you know, messed with and shut down, um, you know, it was like, when we see the politics of today being represented on social media, like YouTube and stuff like that, we're really kind of seeing, like, the extremes, you know? like the extreme right, the extreme left, but there's really not a whole lot of talk from the center, you know, the moderates, you know, which I consider myself one of. So I'm kind of taking that into consideration when I'm watching these events unfold on YouTube and stuff. That's pretty much like for me anyway, it's like my television. I don't watch regular television. I watch YouTube. So, um... You know, that's, that's the final analysis for me, at least for right now, is that I'm not really, I shouldn't, I shouldn't let myself or we shouldn't let ourselves get too affected uh, emotionally or whatever by what we're watching or what we're seeing because we're only really seeing the extremes. So take that into consideration, I guess, when you're, you know, observing the situation that we have right now. But, you know, I got to tell you, I was thinking about this, obviously, for quite some time. And uh, it reminds me of this one situation I was in a long time ago where I was invited to a party at a, a friend of mine's house. Actually, he was a band member of a band I was in. And uh, he was kind of like an artistic guy. He was an extremely... Um, like artistic person, you know, he was in the community of artists in the area and he was uh, an artist himself. So he was, you know, uh, uh, a name, you know, he had a name uh, on the art scene and, uh, you know, he was a artist of note, you know, he made extremely, you know, interesting things and he worked for an art museum and he was probably like, of all the people I've ever known, he was probably like the most plugged in, you know, the most successful artist that I had ever known up until that point. And so anyway, he invites me to his house for this party. And of course, he invites the whole band and then he invited a lot of his art friends, you know. So, you know, I'm, I'm kind of like, I'm an artist, okay, I, I guess, but I'm not really like an artsy kind of guy, you know, um, I come from a working class family. 
uh, of people who basically knew nothing. I mean, absolutely nothing about art. They didn't care about art. And, uh, you know, they were busy doing other things, you know, working and, you know, whatever. They don't, they didn't have time to think about that stuff. But, you know, of course, I'm the only one in my family, really, who's, well, that's not true. No, my brothers are artistic as well. But anyway, the point I'm making is, is that I, I showed up at this party and I was kind of like an outsider. Like I didn't really fit in. Okay. And uh, I found myself in this conversation at this party with this one dude, and he was sitting there telling me, like, well, well first off, he was like, <laughs> he wasn't like a, a mean person or anything, but he was like really weird, okay? And I'm, I'm pretty weird, but this guy was like, <laughs> he made me look normal, okay? Um, and I'm talking to him, and he's telling me, okay, that he was in the process of taking apart piece by piece a car and reassembling the car in his apartment, okay? And I'm kind of like sitting there listening to him tell me this and I'm staring at him like, I'm not quite sure what to make of this. Like, I'm not quite sure what to make of him and the story that he's telling me you know, I was confused, you know, <laughs> like, I mean, I must admit, it's kind of a funny idea. It's kind of a cool idea. You know, this idea of having a car in your house, you know, it's like weird. It would be a weird thing to have, you know, but, um, and a weird thing to do, you know, to spend your time doing, but, you know, this guy was an artist, you know, and this is the kind of people that you will run into, right? And uh, it's cool and everything. Like, I didn't mind, but I was confused. And when I see what's happening on, like, YouTube with, you know, uh, all the Trumpers and, the, you know, all the uh, Antifa and the Black Lives Matter and all that stuff, I'm confused. I don't really know what I'm looking at, much like this dude at this party, you know? <laughs> it's funny to remember and it's also, you know, it adds a little bit of light and humor to the situation that, you know, we find ourselves in now, or at least I find myself in. So I guess the overwhelming message here, the, you know, the final analysis is just really to remember, you know, when you're watching all this stuff and it's crazy and extreme and there's all this like chaos and disorder and, you know, uh, you know, these people are waving this flag and these people are waving this flag. Just remember, or at least try to remember, that we are watching the extremists. Like, we're watching the people who actually go to the rally. Like, you know, like that's something I would probably never do. Maybe when I was younger I would have, but not now, you know. So, um, just, I guess, just try to remember that, you know. And hopefully in the future... You know, we'll start to hear more voices that are coming from the center, like mine. You know, like I'm not right or left and I didn't vote for Trump and I didn't vote for Biden. So it's like I'm, I'm not I don't have any skin in the game. I don't have a horse in the race. I don't have a dog in the fight. You know, I'm just kind of sitting back and observing. And like I said, you know, I'm just extremely confused by what I'm seeing. And I'm not going to come to any conclusions until... I really have a chance to really sit down and think about what I'm seeing and what's actually happening, you know? 
So there you go. Now, I want to tell you, in case you were wondering, you know, why I had disappeared for so long, let me tell you, I have just come out of the craziest Christmas and like New Year's situation I've ever been in, okay? And it's not because of anything that was happening outside of my home. Okay, it wasn't anything political, although that stuff was weird and it didn't help. Um, I found myself in a situation where um, I got really, really sick. I mean, I got really, really sick. Like I couldn't breathe and, you know, shortness of breath. And I was like, you know, in serious trouble, like something was really wrong. And uh, of course, you know, I went and I got a COVID test and uh, came back negative, so I didn't have COVID, but uh, I was sick for probably like two, like one or two weeks. Um, Like it started out really small. Like I was, um, you know, just in the beginning, like I could tell that my breathing wasn't right. And then um, about a week later, it was much worse. And I was trying to hold out as long as I could, because, you know, I'm the kind of person who doesn't like to go to hospitals. I don't like to take pills. I don't like to go visit the doctor. I just, I would like to, or I'd prefer to try to let my body do what it's supposed to do with its antibodies and, you know, let, let the, the, the virus or the sickness or whatever it is, let it run its course, let my body do its job. And then, you know, get better eventually. It takes longer that way, but that's the way that I usually handle that kind of thing. But, uh, you know, I was two weeks into this and it was like, you know, I couldn't really sleep properly because like, I don't know if you've ever had that experience where you're short of breath, you can't breathe, but um, it's horrible. I mean, it's really uh, a horrible experience because it's like, it becomes your entire focus, you know, like your breathing becomes the center of your thought and your effort, you know, it consumes you. And I found myself in that situation and my wife, you know, she was kind of hanging back, letting me do, try to do things the way I normally do, but I could tell, okay, that she was starting to get a little worried and starting to maybe panic a little bit. Like there was something really wrong. So, like I said, I had a COVID test that came back negative, and I was like, I thought for sure I had COVID. I mean, I thought for sure I had it, like after kind of like, you know, poo-pooing it for so long and, you know, not taking it as seriously as everyone else is, um, you know, I kind of thought, okay, now I'm going to have to eat my words. You know, I'm going to really have to kind of walk this back because, you know, I probably have COVID. It's probably real and in me, you know, can't deny it. But, um, like I said, the test came back negative. So my wife's like, well, you know, we should go see a doctor anyway. So we went to our regular doctor and, uh, you know, he told me that he was pretty sure that I either had COVID or I had pneumonia. And I'm like, pneumonia, like, that's crazy. I've never ever had that before and uh so he was kind of you know insisting that I go to the emergency room immediately okay like there was a a little bit of (laughs) I guess the word would be panic like on his face like I was actually 
probably in a lot more trouble than I realized I was. And, um, you know, he was kind of like, couldn't believe I had held out as long as I did. Um, so, okay. So we go to the emergency room. All right. And it just absolutely was the stupidest thing I think I've ever experienced where I go into the hospital and they won't let my wife, you know, come into the hospital like with me, you know, they won't let her stay sit in a chair, wait for me while I'm getting everything done. They made her wait out in the parking lot in our car. Okay. Now, I I don't remember a time where I was more pissed off. I, I can't. I've tried to think about it. Tried to remember back in time. Was there a time I was as pissed off as I was in that emergency room? But I can't think of one. I mean, I was ready to beat some ass. I mean, I was like so angry that they were going to make my wife sit out in the freaking car. You know, it's freezing outside. It's winter. You know, you mean, you mean to tell me this big, huge building, this big, huge hospital, you guys can't make a space for the people who are there, you know, with patients to sit down and like somewhere in this big, huge building, you, you can't work that out. Uh, it was just like, oh, I was so incensed. So you can imagine I could barely breathe. I'm freaking pissed off, you know, like angry. And, uh, of course, you know, I have to go through all these crazy ass protocols, you know, because of COVID. And, um, you know, they gave me another COVID test and uh, that actually came back negative, too. So they you know, told me I had pneumonia, you know. And the doctor was actually, the, the doctor in charge at the emergency room was kind of like, you know, I can't believe that this isn't COVID. You know, she's like, I'm going to probably try to, like, treat it like it is COVID, you know. And I was like, okay, you know, whatever. I had me sitting in this bed. Uh, apparently, according to the doctor, I was actually, you know, pretty far along in this pneumonia thing and I was pretty close to you know you know maybe <laughs> you know the road to glory I mean I'm not kidding like they were shocked that I was still able to walk and you know talk and do all the stuff that I was doing um, I was just short of breath so I'm sitting there in this bed and this is crazy all right you gotta check this out okay I'm sitting in the hospital bed and I've never really s- spent more than Actually, I don't think I've ever been in the emergency room now that I'm thinking about it. Maybe for like stitches or something because I got cut or something, but not because I was sick. So they have me in this bed and they put me on oxygen. Okay, those little tubes they put in your nose and then they turn the dial and, you know, and uh, oxygen for the first time. Okay, for the first time in my life ever, ever, uh, my body is being introduced to pure oxygen. And I've never, like I said, I never had that before. So, they, you know, they got all this stuff they're sticking in me. They have an IV and all this stuff. I'm sitting there and they're pumping, you know, medication into my body and they're doing all the stuff they do. But I'm sitting in this bed, okay, in the hospital. My wife's out in the car where I'm talking to her on the phone. You know, that's how we're communicating. And uh, 
I sat there for like four hours. Okay, so my wife had to sit out in the car for four hours, which still pisses me off. But I got to tell you, okay, and this is the reason I'm talking about this. Now, I'm not a doctor, so I can't, you know, give you a medical advice or anything. Okay, but what I can tell you is this, that, okay, I hadn't, I had never had pure oxygen pumped into my body. Okay, I never experienced that before. And the doctor that was talking to me was telling me that my oxygen level in my body was down to like 93% and it should be up at like 98%. Okay, I was completely unaware that that could even be measured, but they did measure that. And they told me that that's why they put me on oxygen was to get my body back up to where it needed to be. Because I guess because I was short of breath, so I was not taking in the amount of oxygen that I needed to. But, um, oh my gosh. I mean, I could not believe how different I felt after they started, after, after sitting there, okay, for like four hours with this oxygen going right into my body. I mean, my thoughts were sharp, like sharper, like clearer, um... I mean, the next day, you know, it was like a whole new world. I mean, I could not believe how different my whole body felt. And um, it was kind of crazy because like the doctor told me, well, they had the IV in my arm for this medicine they were giving me. And I said to them, like, you know, like, how long will it take me to kind of like feel normal again? And the doctor told me, (laughs) This <laughs> is kind of funny. She's like, in about 20 minutes, you're going to have to pee like really, really bad. <laughs> and you'll feel much better after that. And sure enough, almost like, you know, to the second, like 20 minutes later, bam, I had to pit. I had to pee and I did. And all that fluid in my lungs was gone. I mean, it was in like 20 minutes. It was gone. It was unbelievable. I could breathe normal. Um, you know, uh, I had the oxygen, you know, being pumped in. So like the next day it was like, like I was never sick. You know, I felt my body had not felt that good, uh, in at least five or 10 years. I mean, it was unbelievable. My muscles, my legs, everything. And, you know, I exercise and stuff. I do all that stuff. So it was just like, I mean, every little bit of like soreness and pain and discomfort just from years of, you know, lifting weights and getting older and drumming and all that stuff, Um, you know, falling down, shoveling snow, all the stuff I do, Um, all those little kinks and the little things that hurt and the pain and all that gone, completely gone. I mean, no discomfort whatsoever. And I'm convinced, okay, I am convinced that it was because of that oxygen. And I have been analyzing it, thinking about it, and I'm seriously considering this idea of maybe like introducing oxygen into my life. And that sounds funny, but when you research it, like I did, you find out that in sports medicine, this is a common thing. Okay, like uh, for professional athletes and stuff like that, they regularly take pure oxygen 
into their body to help their muscles heal, especially in the NFL and the NHL, like hockey players and football players, uh, where they get, you know, concussions and contusions in their muscles and, you know, they, they really get into some situations where their muscles are just, you know, in extreme pain. Um, they'll be inhaling pure oxygen into their body to help their body heal. And I, you know, thought about it and I'm like, you know, I mean, I, I lived it out. I, I, I did it for four hours. I had pure oxygen going into my body and I felt so good. I couldn't believe it. It was a, a miracle. It was like a miracle. Seriously. And you know, hold on, I'm going to get a sip of my coffee, but hang on. Like I said, oh, is that good? Um, I'm not a doctor, you know, and I can't give you medical advice or something, but I don't know. There's something to this oxygen thing, you know? And uh, like I said, I've been kind of researching it and I'm kind of getting into it. And I'm sure that eventually I'll figure out some way of, you know, having that in my life, you know, having that in, if I'm going to be exercising, because I'm almost 50, you know? So if I'm going to be like exercising and lifting weights and doing all the stuff that I, I've always done, and I want to keep doing it, then this might be <laughs> a really significant discovery, okay? And maybe I'm wrong, but I don't think so. So anyway, I go home after the emergency room, and of course the next day, like I said, I felt a lot better. It was really great. I got a lot of stuff done. But they put me on this, you know, <laughs> this like script of pharmaceuticals. Okay, like pills to, you know, help my body, you know, continue to fight this pneumonia thing and make sure it didn't come back. And it required like a week and a half of me taking this regiment of pills. And I have to tell you, okay, I'm the kind of person who hates pills. I don't like to take pills. I, you know, almost outright reject pharmaceuticals. I try to avoid them at all costs. I'm not interested. I don't want that in my body. I don't want it in my life. And I you know I'm in this situation where if I want to get better, you know, I'm going to have to take these pills. And my wife, of course, was like insisting, you know, like you're going to take your medicine. So I did. But what, what sucked about it was because my body is not really used to taking pills other than aspirin, um, you know, I was, <laughs> I was in a pharmaceutical cloud. I mean, it was purple haze, man. You know, I mean, I was tripping this, this stuff they had me on must've been like really, really strong because, uh, yeah, it might've been healing my lungs and my body or something, but it was like a psychedelic experience. And, and I was not, uh, I'm not saying that like in a positive way. I mean, it was absolutely probably the worst Christmas New Year's that I've ever had for that reason. I mean, it was like this constant state of being out of my mind and, you know, seeing three of everything and everything had trails, you know, it was like crazy. I don't, I don't like that feeling. I never have of being like high. Like, I don't like that, you know, that feeling of being out of control of your body. It's not for me. Okay. Um, yeah. And that's how it was. I mean, it was like 
purple haze. You know, I, I kept referring to this state of being that I was in as uh, uh, riding the painted pony, you know, like from that song. <laughs> I'm like, you know, for a week and a half, maybe a little bit longer, I can't quite remember, but, you know, it was just like every day. Yes, I felt better. Yes, you know, I could breathe and all those things. But, oh my goodness, it was just the worst. It was the worst. I was so glad to get out of it. You know, it was like maybe, uh, I think it was New Year's Eve was the last day I had to take my pills. And, oh, I was just so glad, you know, to come out of this cloud. I mean, it was constant. It was not like I would be tripping for, you know, a couple hours and then I'd be back to normal. It was like, like all day and all night for a week and a half and you'd think it would be fun but it wasn't but I I did wind up making some pretty good music (laughs) for that week and a half actually that's when I was working on Circuit Freaker so uh, I had like two weeks of you know just working on Circuit Freaker because the medicine that I was on and this is why I wasn't able to do a podcast for so long Uh, The medicine that I was on was healing my lungs, so um, I was hiccuping all the time, you know? The doctors told me that that was part of the healing process, like that would happen. But it was like every, you know, five seconds, I would hiccup. So I would try to talk, and, you know, (laughs) I couldn't. And it was really frustrating because I wanted to do a podcast for like New Year's Eve or something or for Christmas and all that stuff. And I just couldn't talk. It would have been, it would have been funny to do anyway, probably. But uh, it was just uh, extremely like annoying. And of course, like I said, I was tripping. So, <laughs> you know, there was no way I was going to step up to the microphone and, you know, manage to put anything together that would be you know, useful or anything. But there I was, sick as a dog, man, on the brink of death. And I came back and uh, I was in this cloud, this pharmaceutical cloud for a week and a half. And it was the weirdest Christmas I've ever had. It was not fun. Um, But I will say this. okay? I got to I got to say, I got to give some props to my woman, because I'll tell you what, she rose to the occasion. I mean, you know, when you feel like like shit like you're gonna die like you you, when you really feel really sick and you can't even like lift a glass of water to your mouth I mean it's like it's this big you know ordeal getting food into your mouth and all the food that you're eating tastes different and tastes bad and nothing is appetizing nothing tastes good and you just you know you have no energy uh you can't do anything um it is so great to have someone with you that will take care of you, you know? And it kind of like, it kind of like struck me like that's really what marriage is about and like relationships like that. It's not about all the other stuff. It's about when you're in need, when you're down and out and how the, that person treats you. And my wife was like, I don't even know, like a cross between a nurse uh, my wife, my mother, you know, she was just, uh, she just rose to the occasion. She, she made it actually like any 
bit of pleasure or enjoyment that I got while I was sick came from her and this loving hand and this loving attitude and just taking care of everything for me, cleaning up after me, um, you know, tucking me in when I went to sleep and kissing me and just, you know, getting me the food and stuff that I wanted and, you know, preparing meals for me and cleaning up, like I said, and just being so gentle and loving and supportive. And I got to tell you, it made me think, you know, I know there are some people that are probably listening to this podcast right now that are alone. And I don't know, you know, how you do it. Like, I feel so bad for you if you are alone, because when you're sick, if you like, when you really feel like crap and you're alone, I can't even imagine what that would have been like for me. I, I don't, I don't even want to think about it. So I don't know if you're one of those folks where that's your situation, you know, you're by yourself and you ever get sick or something. Oh man, you know, I wish I could help you out, you know, cause I would, I really would. It was so miserable and so difficult and so horrible like to have that loving presence around me all the time. She stayed home from work. She didn't go to work. She stayed right by my side. I was never alone. Um, you know, I didn't have to really lift a finger, you know. Um, that's love, man. That is love. And it's a great thing. It's a great thing. It's beautiful, you know. And, oh, you know, just how could you not totally be in love, you know? with somebody who's willing to be that gentle and that kind with you and that considerate and um, comprehensive. I mean, she thought of everything, you know, she took care of everything. So, uh, and we'll talk about that much longer, but what a strange Christmas it was for me, you know? And you know what? There's also something else that's pretty cool that's going on right now. Probably another sign that, you know, the world is upside down, but um, the football team from my hometown, the Cleveland Browns, they're actually in the playoffs for the first time in like 20 or 25 years. I was like a child, you know, when uh, the Browns were last in the playoffs, the NFL playoffs, and they finally made it back this year. That Right now, as we speak, they're playing this weekend, and uh, I don't know, they're playing the Kansas City Chiefs, so they probably don't stand much of a chance. But you never know. You know, every day is different. Every game is different. You never know what could happen. Um, but uh, it's pretty exciting, I got to say. I come from a steel town. I come from a place where the sport of football, especially professional football, the Browns, is not just a sport. It's not just a team, okay? In the town of Cleveland, the city of Cleveland, um, it's a cultural rite of passage. It's It's... Um, deep, it's emotional, and uh, the fan base of the Cleveland Browns is very loyal, uh, and they must be because they've sucked for like 20 or 25 years. I mean, they haven't even made it to the playoffs in 20 or 25 years. Um, you know, it's, it's not just like any other football team. It's not just like any other city. And uh, it means so much to the city and my family, you know, the people that I love the most and the people I care about. I mean, it's really a fun and exciting time. And um, I would have been remiss if I didn't at least mention it in this podcast. But uh, 
anyway, so, you know, I, I did want to come back to the podcast, you know, a long time ago, and I couldn't, like I said. So it makes me feel good today to be able to talk a little bit to you guys. And I promise, you know, now that I've healed and, you know, I feel a lot better, um, you'll be hearing more from me soon. I know uh, this is probably number 90, I think, uh, the podcast number 90. So I know I talked before about um, making the next maybe 10 uh, podcasts or something, try to make something special out of it to mark the 100th podcast, you know, something like that. So we'll, we'll see how that goes. Um, and uh, you'll be hearing from me really soon. I hope you guys like the new music that I put out. Um, and uh, I guess until next time, folks, uh, this is Mike Bostwick from Pipe Choir Records signing off. And remember, folks, if you want to keep what you've got, you've got to give it away. Take it easy. And you will be hearing from me very soon. Peace out, everybody. Okay, all you happy innovators, the ones who are wild and crazy enough to stick around to the end of the podcast, um, I'm going to share with you a song today. It's a song called Try, T-R-Y. It's kind of like a chilled out, uh, moody kind of song that I did. It was the second attempt at making a really long song. I did a song called The Water of Fire or Singing to the Sea. And then I did this song, Try, and I called it Try because I was giving it a try. This idea of doing a song that was maybe 15 or 20 minutes long. And uh, this is a long time ago, but this song actually wound up doing pretty well for me. And uh, as soon as I released it to the public, uh, it was really kind of when everything started to click for me and the whole honest wave idea and all that kind of stuff. So this was kind of really what got it started. And uh, it's still a fan favorite to this day. It's one of my more popular songs. So um, there you go. Check this out from probably, I want to say maybe it was 2008 or 2010. I don't remember exactly when I recorded it, but probably 2008. I'm closer to that. Um, and, uh, you know, actually, I'll tell you a little thing about this song. You'll hear in the song, like throughout the song, there's like thunder and lightning. Um, you know, I, I actually stuck the microphone like out the window during a rainstorm. So like what you're hearing, like that thunder and lightning and all that stuff in the background of this song is, you know, me sticking a microphone out the window, pressing play and record, and letting it go for like 30 minutes or something. So uh, check it out. Song called Try. T-R-Y, three letters, you know, letter number three. And um, check it out.
check it out. Hope you like it. And I'll be talking to you soon. Have a great weekend and a great week, everybody. Bye-bye.